This week's episode of the Get Back Coach is brought to you by Oddscrowd. Oddscrowd has fantasy betting and leagues that include over $30,000 in cash prizes when you bet on NFL and college football. I'm taking part in Oddscrowd with the rest of branded sports, so let's see where your bets stack up against ours. Here's how it works. Once you enter a contest, you place fantasy bets, not actual money, against real odds and lines. The most profitable bettors rise up the leaderboard. If you have the highest profit at the end of the contest, you win. And Odds Crowd isn't just fantasy betting contests. It's a social app for sports bettors, free to download. You can group chat with other bettors, track your bets, set up private fantasy contests with your buddies, and much more. So download the app for free, and when you're there, put in referral code BRAN13, that's bran one three. That'll tell them that Jake sent you. On this week's episode of the Get Back Coach, we talk about the breaking news of Clay Helton being fired from USC. Our week two winners and losers. A preview of week three. The Florida State players proposal and the playoff where we discuss who the perfect hire at USC would be to follow Clay Helen. All that and a lot more. All right, let's get after it. Welcome to another episode of the Get Back Coach presented by Branded Sports. I'm your host, Jake Myers, and breaking news, Clay Helton has been fired at USC. Now, this kind of has been a long time coming. Uh, People have been trying to get him fired, oh, probably since 2019. Um, So... If you need a a little bit of a refresher on the Clay Helton saga at USC, this is what happened. He was an assistant coach, quarterbacks coach, offensive coordinator. He was given the interim tag um, in 2014, and then it was taken off. He became the head coach in 2015. Now, he becomes the head coach. Eh, a little bit of lackluster when he first take, takes over. And then in 2016, they get absolutely destroyed by Alabama. And then I think they beat Utah State, and then they lose to Stanford. Now he's one and two. Um, I believe they make a quarterback change. They hand the keys to, um, to Sam Darnold. And then they have... They go on a run. Okay, they don't win the Pac-12, but what they do do, they do get to the Rose Bowl. They win a thriller against Penn State, that 52-49 to to game where um was more the Pac-12 style. Usually, you know, Big Ten teams usually don't score 49, you know, up there in, in points. But anyway – he wins the Rose Bowl, and everyone kind of thinks, oh, okay, I think we found this guy. I think we found our guy. Even more so, in 2017, he wins the Pac-12 championship. Then ends up playing Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl and loses. This is where things start going south. Uh, follows that up with a five-win season, doesn't make a bowl game, and then an eight-win season, and now everyone's like, okay, I don't know if we like this guy now. Uh, They're losing to teams that USC should not be losing to. Okay? You should not lose to Stanford. I know Stanford had some good teams. But now? You're going to lose to Stanford now? Mm, I don't know. So, anyway, last season, uh, during the pandemic year, he goes 5-1. and Loses in the Pac-12, I'm going to put the air quotes up, championship um, at, with a 5-0 and record. Loses to Oregon by a touchdown, and then they don't, they, they don't go to a bowl game. And still people are kind of thinking, I don't know if this is the guy. E- even he goes 5-0, five and, five and but you know struggles with Arizona State, only wins by a point, and Arizona State's decent. 
But still, it just it doesn't feel right. He doesn't feel like he has control there. And whenever they lose games, that's what people bring up, that he's not in control. He, you know, if he wins games, it's usually because the other team hands it over. Um, and now this year, uh, they struggle against San Jose State. And then, and again, San Jose State's okay. But again, you're USC. And then the loss to Stanford. Now I think USC is thinking, this isn't our guy. We might as well now open this up. Let's take some time and let's get our guy. They should not rush this. They shouldn't. Um, If they rush it, you're just going to get another Clay Helen. So what you need to do, they're opening up now. And now they're going to go for a big swing, a big, they're going to try and hit a home run here. And at the end of the episode, we will talk a little bit more about who we think is the perfect person for this job. Now, I don't know who they're going to select. I honestly don't. I I just read 14 freaking names that are, quote, unquote, tied to this job. But I'm not sure who fits. I do have my guess on who are the people that could thrive at USC and are the best fit at USC, but I'm not sure where they're going to actually go with that. But we're going to save that for the end of our episode with the playoff segment. Um, Next order of business, let's talk about some winners and losers from this weekend. Let's start positive. Let's start with the winners here. Uh, The Oregon Ducks. Go into Columbus, go into the horseshoe without Justin, uh, without Justin Flower, without Kayvon Thibodeau, and they beat the Buckeyes and beat them in the trenches. So I I rewatched this game, and in this game, Oregon was beating was beating uh, Ohio State up in the trenches. Oregon State's offensive line was taking it to the Buckeyes. Um, and, and here's the thing. Ohio State, probably still the best team in the Big Ten. Probably, maybe. I think Iowa's looking really good right now, and we're going to get to them. But Ohio State has glaring weaknesses on defense for the first time in a while. You know, before Ohio State would have a a said weakness and it would only come up against a Clemson or Alabama or someone like that. They have some weaknesses on on the defensive line and even in the secondary. So my whole thing is if they play teams that have guys, that have some dudes on the outside, and have a little bit of a run game, could this be, you know, could this be a year Ohio State takes a step backwards? I mean, they've been dominating the Big Ten for the past five years. They're going on five years of dominating the Big Ten. I mean, let's face it. Minnesota, although good, didn't have those guys. They didn't have those guys on the outside. They really didn't. They were going to control the clock. I think that Ohio State, um, it kind of benefited them. They could put more guys in. They had nothing to worry about on the outside. Against Oregon, they had to worry about that outside. They had to worry about it. You bring guys out of the box, and now it's your bigs against their bigs. Oregon State won that battle. Or Sorry, Oregon won that battle. But good for Oregon, man. Uh, now they're probably the favorite to win the Pac-12. USC coaching uh, the USC uh, fire Clay Helton. Washington's offense is atrocious. Uh, it's it's Oregon's to lose now. We're going to stay in the Big Ten. Iowa, man. Listen, they didn't just win the Cyhawk Trophy. They dominated to earn that. Uh, Iowa State's good. I said before, this is probably Iowa State's best team 
maybe in their history. And Iowa just took it to them. And listen, I think Iowa, and I don't want to overreact because I know it's only week two. Uh, Ohio State can fix some of their um, some of their problems, but Iowa is looking good right now. I said it in week one. Iowa is the dark horse to win the Big Ten. They have a total shot. I think they're the best team in the West, and it'd be interesting to see what happens if they face face each other in the Big Ten championship. But yeah, Iowa has been looking fantastic right now. Mississippi State, another big winner this week. Listen, no one knew what to make of Mississippi State defeating a Conference USA uh, opponent uh, in Louisiana Tech. Uh, had a score right at the end. They, they had a lot of questions. Uh, I wasn't sure about their offense, but Will Rogers looked good. NC State, I thought had a little bit more on defense. They look completely different. I mean, again, they played South Florida. I guess anyone can look good against South Florida. But Mississippi State, uh, you know, quarterback Will Rogers looked good. They just looked more in sync. Mike Leach, fantastic football coach. Um, they're going to be a problem in the SEC. I'm not saying they're going to beat Bama or Georgia or – anything like that, but I could see them being a solid eight-win football team. I really can. And, and listen, for Mississippi State, that's that's big. That's a good year. When most of you guys were asleep, uh, the Holy War was going on in Utah. Utah versus BYU. BYU came out on top, claiming their ownership of the Beehive boot. Uh, listen, this defense under Kalani Satake – is looking really good. It is looking really good. They have Arizona State this week, and Arizona State's gonna be no more, you know, is known more for their offense. But this defense, I feel, is for real. Utah was a seven-point favorite. Um, I, I didn't really know what Utah had, to be honest with you. I really didn't. I stayed away from that game, my sheet, although it didn't matter because I was awful on the board. I mean, completely awful. Uh, weekend winners is not going to be a fun time for me this week. Um, but BYU looking like they're picking up where they left off um, last year. I, I still don't think they're as good as they were last year. But, I mean, still, it's um, it's it's really nice. BYU also going to the Big 12 – that's another thing we have to talk about. But BYU going to the Big 12, it, it's a big week. It's a big week for BYU. Let's talk about some losers. First, we have to talk about Ohio State. Now, is Ohio State season over? Of course not. They can win every game on out and still make the college football playoff. Who knows? Maybe that's why they they looked. I don't know. Maybe they that's why they looked bad. Maybe they went into Oregon, overlooking them, also thinking, "Hey, we can drop this game and still make the playoff." I don't think that happened, but you know, maybe they overlooked it. But Ohio State, like I said before, has major problems at defensive tackle, and in the secondary. Oregon exploited that. Joe Moorhead had a fantastic game plan going in, and Ohio State lost the game in the trenches. And, again, that doesn't happen a lot with Ohio State. You know, it it really doesn't. We usually don't see this until they play like a Clemson or Oklahoma, and even then they're usually, you know, decent. But, listen, Ohio State fans, the sky isn't falling. It's okay. You, you know, you, you'll have a shot to bounce back here. That's not the worst thing in the world. Uh, we already talked about USC, and I, I don't think I need to go off anymore. The, the, losing to Stanford and Stanford coming off a loss to Kansas State where Kansas State was just in control of that game 
is is not good. Clay Helen is that's what people need to understand here. That Clay Helen is a good football coach. He is, and he'll probably end up in a lower power five or a you know a, a group of five team and, and still be very successful. The problem is the standards. He just couldn't live up to the standards at USC, and and it is hard standards to have. Oh, Florida State. Florida State. So, Mike Norvell's team loses a heartbreaker to Notre Dame. Play, play their asses off. Real, they really did. Um, and, and now you think the the energy, the vibe has changed in Tallahassee. You're thinking, hey, listen, we got this. This, you know, uh, a maybe a moral victory, but still. It's good, you know. We we're going to turn things around. This is it. We're finally going to turn things around. And they don't. They lose to Jacksonville State in the last play of the game. I mean, how are you not scoring points? That's the big thing here. I mean, I mean, think about it. This this game ended twenty to seventeen. Seventeen. You cannot score seventeen points against Jacksonville State. You cannot do it. Washington, it's the same thing with Washington against Montana. That shows that your defense is constantly on the field. And when your defense is constantly on the field, you're going to give up points at some point. You, You don't have the 85 Bears. You can't do this every week. You have to establish an offense. And they did against Notre Dame. That's why they stayed in the game. But they couldn't do it against Jacksonville State. Uh, this team, I don't know what needs to happen to Florida State. I don't know. But it's not good for them. It's not good for college football. Florida State is an excellent brand, one of the better brands in college football. And, and them not being good is awful for the sport. I mean, what, like watch that intro where Notre Dame is go, is coming in and you got, uh, you know, the horse renegade coming out. You have the Seminole from the Seminole tribe. Again, that's why uh, Florida State can keep the Seminole name and keep all the imagery because they have ties with the Seminole tribe and they allow them. And they work with them, by the way, to make sure they don't sell images that are demeaning to their people. So that is why. So everything that is done at Florida State is very much a – and an homage to the Seminole tribe and the Seminole tribe is fully behind it. But anyway, you have that, you have the tomahawk chop, you have all of these people ready to go. The spears on the side of the helmet. It is an excellent brand and it's just being ruined right now. It's awful. And I know eventually they'll find the right guy and and people will come in. Listen, college football is a never ending circle. You go through ups, you go through downs. Remember, Nick Saban's first year, he lost to Louisiana Monroe. Okay? That's where Alabama was. So it can turn around, but I just don't know when, and I don't know what the answer to improve it actually is. Um, Oh, Texas. Texas, another loser of the week. Um. I gave Texas a ton of credit last week. Went over Louisiana Lafayette. Louisiana Lafayette's a good team. And by the way, guys, like you can't call for upsets. And listen, I don't like Texas. I don't. I'm going to be honest. I don't. But you can't call, oh, this are going to upset Texas. They're going to upset Texas. They're going to upset Texas. And then Texas wins. Now you can't take it back and say, oh, it's just Louisiana Lafayette. No, you can't have that both ways. You can't have it both ways. So they beat Louisiana Lafayette. Good win. Good win over Coach for Coach Sark. And then you just get embarrassed by Arkansas. I know it's in Arkansas, but you didn't lose on a last-second touchdown, a last-second field goal, or you didn't – you missed the kick at the end, or you had the ball and you couldn't punch it in. No, you got embarrassed by Arkansas. And Texas is back. 
to being what they've been for the past two or three years. And that's a decent team, but not on level with Texas. Sark had a great first game. And then the defense just just didn't stop anything. So I don't know. I know Arkansas is on a bit of an upswing, but still, you're Texas. You can't be losing that. Especially you're going to be joining the SEC soon. Not good. And I know this is just going to be an an SEC uh, suck fest with, oh, look at Arkansas beat Texas. And, oh, my God, freaking spare me. I know it's Texas, but I'm just sick of the the SEC is this and that. And and is the best conference. It is. I've said it every time on the show. But I am just sick. Whenever an SEC team wins against a Power 5 opponent, it's th- this this chest-thumping BS. I'm sick of it. I really am. Oh, the biggest loser of the week, Washington's offense. I'm not even including Washington's defense on there because their defense is okay. Solid, actually. Their offense sucks. John Donovan needed to be fired yesterday. He, it's so one-dimensional. It's and yes, he was the offense coordinator at Penn State, and yeah, I defended him at that time for a little bit because I felt like a lot of the things his way were pretty unjust with how the offense was. I don't think they had the guys at that time. But they had the wrong guys in. You know, um, Hackenberg was there, and he's trying to run West Coast stuff. I didn't like that. But then they got rid of him, got Joe Moorhead, and it completely changed. But even at the end of Moorhead, not to get on a Penn State soapbox, but even at the end of Moorhead, they started figuring things out because their offensive line was terrible. But anyway, Washington. Offense is god-awful. You, they allowed Michigan – to dominate them because their offense is so bad. If Washington had a competent offense, not even a good offense, just a competent offense, that game may have been a different story. But it's just so bad. It's Out of all the major programs, I'm not talking Power 5, like like Vanderbilt's a Power 5. No, no. I'm talking about all the major programs. Like if you look at each conference, every – program that is in the top four or five in their conference. Washington is that in the Pac-12. This is the worst offense. This is the worst one. There's not a, an offense that's worse. I just this is this is so bad. If John if John Donovan keeps his job at the end of the year, it will be a freaking miracle. I think Jimmy Lake's a good coach. He's a fantastic defensive mind. He really is. And and he that's a good fit there for him. But man you got to get rid of John Donovan. You have to get a better offense out there because you are killing yourself. And those players want to play for Jimmy Lake. Those players want to play for Jimmy Lake. But I don't know if they want to play for John Donovan. Now let's look at this week. Let's look at this week. Uh, Virginia Tech at West Virginia here. Um, This is an old school rivalry here um and west virginia opens up as a three-point favorite which is a little shocking to me um now they're the trophy there's a i believe i don't know if they still play for this but i i remember it from the old um ncaa football games but the Black Diamond Trophy, I wonder if they're going to be playing for that. i got to check that out. But the Black Diamond Trophy uh, goes to the winner of Virginia Tech and uh, West Virginia for football. At least it used to. I don't know if it still does. But uh, it's a noon game. Virginia, or Sorry, West Virginia is a three-point favorite, like I said. I, I don't know. I want to see where this line goes. But I really – and I know I'm, I'm, I'm repping West Virginia today, but – I really think West Virginia's winning this one. I really do. I think they're going to beat Virginia Tech. I think a lot of people are going to be putting their money on – I think a lot of people are going to be putting their money on Virginia Tech. 
um, you know, that big win against North Carolina. I just don't know. I think this is going to be a very low scoring game, by the way. Uh, West Virginia's defense is good. And Virginia Tech's uh, defense is good. But I don't know. I just think West, West Virginia is going to get together on offense. Um, you know, they, they hopefully they worked out bugs against Long Island University. But no, I, I think West Virginia is going to win this game. And, you know, Virginia Tech, I don't know if Virginia Tech is back to being how they usually are, but I'm going to take the home team here and I'm going to take the Mountaineers. Let's see where this line goes. I'll give my official pick on weekend winners, which airs uh, 11 o'clock in the morning on Saturdays. But I'm thinking, I'm thinking West Virginia's got this. Uh, Michigan State at Miami. I take Miami six and a half. Michigan State, you did really good against Northwestern. I don't think Northwestern has a whole lot. Miami is looking to take their frustrations out on somebody. Um, I know Appalachian State, that game was close, but I think Miami's pass rush is just really good. Their defensive line is good. I think they'll be able to to suppress Kenneth Walker, make sure he doesn't get to the edge. I'm not sold on Michigan State's defense yet either, but anyway, I think Miami, six and a half. Minnesota, Colorado. Um, Ibrahim's out, but this is another. This is a sneaky good matchup, man. It really is. This is going to be a good defensive game. Um, you know, slugfest type stuff. It's at Colorado. Um, I don't know who to pick in this one. I honestly don't. I'd like to think just Minnesota has just. A lot of veteran guys still left. Um, I feel like they would beat Colorado, especially Colorado coming off a good showing against Texas A&M. But this is a sneaky good matchup, guys. Definitely check this one out. Oh, Purdue at Notre Dame for the Shillelagh. Notre Dame is a seven-point favorite only. Purdue just beat the bricks off of UConn. Bell had just a, a fantastic game. But I, I don't know. I honestly don't know in this one. I think Purdue is going to show up. I think Purdue will do well. Jeff Brom's a guy you got to think if he's on the hot seat or not because he hasn't really done anything at Purdue yet. But, again, it's Purdue. You got to give the guy some time. I do like the culture, though. Those guys play very hard. They let Oregon State kind of hang around, which isn't good. Uh, but Notre Dame, they're just one of those teams that is – doesn't matter how much they're favored by they're it, the game's going to be close they let every team hang around and you know who knows maybe that's and again that's notre dame's thing with weaker teams but listen I, i've watched notre dame be uh you know the number one two team in the country so wouldn't surprise me if purdue um keeps this one close alabama at florida I think Alabama completely rolls Florida in the swamp. That the the spread's 15 and a half. I really think Alabama rolls Florida. Um oh, the Florida fans already uh, on Twitter with oh, ESPN College Game Day is going to Penn State. Why aren't they coming to Alabama, Florida? Oh. <laughs> Shut up. You're going to get beat by three touchdowns. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We won't go to one of the most impressive atmospheres in college football against two teams that are, you know, mostly evenly matched where the line is about is less than a touchdown. No, no, no. We're going to go to Alabama at Florida in the swamp because – Alabama's the number one team in the country and Florida's ranked. When Florida's going to get beat by three touchdowns, yeah, that's the game you want to go to. Let's go to let's go to a 3:30 kick where the home team gets beat by 21 points. Give me a break. Screw you. The same people on Josh Pate's on the late kick with Josh Pate uh tweeting at him on the replies. We won't for Florida fans won't forget this. You're going up to see Penn State and Auburn. Why the frig wouldn't you go up and see that game? Honestly, night game, Penn State, the spread's under six, or it's around, sorry, it's at six. 
and it, it's gonna it should be a tight ball game. No, I don't want to go. I don't want to go see that. Now I'm gonna. I want to go down to the swamp and see floor get see Florida get beat by three touchdowns by Alabama. Freaking joke. You freaking Southerners. And not all of you. I know. It's it's just these people on Twitter that are just so out of freaking touch. You know, it just matters more in the SEC. Screw you. I'm sick of hearing that. It just matters more. Go back to your shanties. Um mentioned this one earlier. Arizona State at BYU, a ranked matchup here. Again, um, again, guys, you're not going to get a lot of gambling advice from me today. Tune into weekend winners for that. Um, last I checked, this was a three-and-a-half line for um, Arizona State. I think BYU can win. I really do. I, I think I'm getting on the BYU train. Arizona State, I love Herm Edwards. I just think they they had a lot going on in the offseason with COVID and, you know, coaches having guys on campus. I, I don't know. I I don't know what type of Arizona State team we're going to see. It's going to be in – it's going to be at BYU, which I also think is going to be a factor. That place gets nuts. But – I don't know. This is a good matchup, though. This is another late game. I think this is on at like 10 o'clock at night. Listen, you get back. You know, you're at the bar. Tune this baby on. You get back from a long dinner, you know, with a couple of drinks. You get back from the game at noon or 3.30. Turn this bad boy on. This will be a good uh, nightcap for you. And, again, uh, the game of the week, college game is going there. Uh, I know Josh Pate's going there with late kick. I will also be there. Um, guys, I was at the ball, Penn State ball state game last week, and listen, it was just nice to be in the tailgate. And, and again, I don't want to share, you know, more of my Penn State bias. Okay, I really do try and keep everything neutral. Um, hell, I took beat, uh, Ball State plus twenty two and a half and ended up killing me. But this is going to be a really good game. I, I really do think Penn State is going to win this game. Um, I do think they cover. Auburn hasn't played anybody yet. And listen, they, they put up some impressive numbers, you know, but just kind of reading some different things, looking at stat lines, watching some stuff on Auburn. Had some drop passes. Um, the, the, they're relying, you know, big – and I know they're a running team, Penn State's defense. If Penn, I think this is going to be a low-scoring game, by the way, because I think Auburn has some decent talent there on D. Um, this is going to be a close game. I do think Penn State pulls away at the end. Uh, guys, this is must-watch. Uh, this is only the third meeting ever between Auburn and Penn State. Penn State beat Auburn in the Outback Bowl, I believe, in like 95, the 95 season. Um, Auburn then returned the favor and beat uh, Penn State with Larry Johnson um, in the Capital One Bowl. Penn State kind of had a resurgence that year. They had a terrible 03 year, a terrible – Oh, four year. They had seven total wins between those two years. And then they rattled off an, an eight win year, which at that time was fun <laughs> for Penn state fans. Now, if Penn state wins eight games, it's, it's terrible. But at that time people were happy about the eight wins. Um, actually that's, that's false. I said that wrong. Oh, in sorry. Oh, one, they had five wins in 2000. I believe they also had five wins there. So they had 10 wins total. But, uh, again, didn't make a bowl either of those years. And then in 2002 with Larry Johnson, that's where they took it, really took a big step forward. Lost a really close one in Kinnick and in Michigan, which had some questionable questionable calls in both those games. Um, but, anyway, they played uh, Auburn and ended up losing like 13-9. to uh, Larry Johnson didn't have a good day. Offense couldn't punch it in when it mattered. Uh, let Auburn hang around and win. But this is going to be a good one. It really is. Again, wide out, it's, it's going to be an electric atmosphere. And, again, I don't want to get on my Penn State bias soapbox, but if you have not experienced the wide out, Kirk Herbstreit says it every freaking year, if you have not experienced the wide out, it is a college football bucket list. You know, LSU at night is right up there um, to Penn State. It's I was spoiled growing up going to these football games. 
because I go to other places now and I just think, man, it's just, it's just not the same. And again, I have that connection to Penn state, but still it, you know, I was talking to a, I have a friend that's a Texas fan and he walked and I think they were playing Michigan a couple of years ago at a night game. And he was, he walked in the stadium and just said, this is absolutely electric. Like you walk in, your hair stands up. And when, when they're on defense, it it's so loud. Literally, you cannot hear yourself talk next to you. So again, it, it's going to be a great atmosphere. Um, I do think Penn State covers. I think Auburn can very well so win this football game, but still, um, I, I'm riding Lions here. Before we get into the playoff, I I have a question to ask our listeners. Okay, so the a Florida State player after the Jacksonville State loss proposed to his girlfriend. Now everyone's saying, "Oh my God, you lost and you still proposed? Are you kidding me?" Hear me out. He probably planned to do it that day because again, he probably didn't expect to lose to Jacksonville State. Her family may have been there. His family was probably there. And he just said, okay, I'm just going to let this rip. So my question to you guys, should the Florida State guy, for the should the Florida State player, should he have waited another week? Should he have waited to propose? Even knowing her family is there, everyone's there, Let's just say for that sake, everyone's at this game. Is it fair or should he have waited to pop the question or should he let it rip? And who knows? Maybe she doesn't even live in Tallahassee and he knew knew she was there. That could be all. That also could be a thing. So I want to know, fair or foul, proposing after a heartbreaking loss to an FCS school? I want to know. And I'm going to put that on Instagram and on Twitter. Oh, yes. One more order of business. Uh, The new Big 12. uh, Do we like it? Mm, It's okay. (laughs) I mean, listen, I've said before on the show, are you going to play? Are you going to replace Oklahoma and and Texas? Absolutely not. But you lose two and you gain four in BYU, Cincy, Houston, UCF. Houston makes sense because they're in Texas. They play other Texas schools. That's going to be an in-state rivalry going on. Central Florida has been in the AAC, has been screwed over. Or not screwed over, but has been looked over many of times. Cincinnati got that treatment last year, put up a fight against Georgia, but they're starting to come around. They're a, a solid, again, a solid group of five team. I mean... It's a decent conference. It is. But this is what I can't wait for. And I know the playoff is probably going to expand, but still, this is what I can't wait for. I can't wait for UCF people to go from give the group of five a chance to, no, you're in a terrible conference. You don't deserve to be in here anymore. I can't wait. Oh, I cannot wait for the hypocrisy to start on that one. Because you know it's coming. You know it's coming. Because before, it's I'm not allowed to go to the party. And then once you're invited to the party, you don't want anyone else to come in. So I cannot wait for the, those type of reactions. Listen, BYU is a good brand. Um, they have a long history. Houston has the Texas. UCF and Cincinnati are better. Group of five. Um, Cincinnati in the north. UCF in the south. I think UCF is going in the right direction. They have people believing down there. Cincinnati's good. Nippert at night, sneaky, sneaky, tough place to play. But I'm excited to see how this all transpires. And I can't wait to see them join once Texas and Oklahoma are out, which who knows when that will be because it might be closer than you guys think. But all right, and here we go into this week's playoff. (laughs) 
This week's playoff is brought to you by Odds Crowd. Odds Crowd has fantasy betting in leagues that include over $30,000 in cash prizes when you bet on the NFL and college football. I'm taking part at Odds, Odds Crowd, and so is everyone at Branded Sports. So here's how it works. Once you enter a contest, you place fantasy bets, not actual money against real odds and lines. The most profitable bettors rise up the leaderboard. If you have the highest profit at the end of the contest, you win, and Odds Crowd isn't just fantasy betting contests. It's a social app for sports bettors. Free to download. You can group chat with other bettors, track your bets, set a private fantasy contest with your buddies, and much more. So download the app for free. And when you are there, put in referral code BRAN13, that's B-R-A-N-1-3. That'll tell them that Jake sent you. So, again, if you have not downloaded Odds Crowd yet, make sure you download that. Again, you're wagering free money, fake money, to potentially earn real money. I mean, it's a no-brainer. You might as well throw your name in the hat, see how well you do. Might come back with some cash prizes. Okay, so this week the playoff is going to have to do with the breaking news today of Clay Hilton getting fired. And it is who would be the perfect hire for USC? Now, I'm not talking about who I think, so this isn't who we think is going to be the head coach of USC, but who would be the best fit for USC? Okay, here we go. Number four, I hate to even say this, but number four for me is James Franklin. Now, I don't think this is going to happen. James Franklin is not going to leave Penn State for USC. He's got a good thing going with Penn State, especially if he has a good season here. He's from Pennsylvania. I think he likes that community. But I do think him as a guy, him as a coach, how his personality is would be perfect for USC. It would be perfect for L.A. James Franklin likes a little bit of the theatrics. He likes a little bit of the um, the limelight. He likes getting fired up. He likes being that overly emotional guy, and I think that really works at USC. I think he'd be a perfect hire. I don't think it's happening, but I do believe he would be a home run hire for USC. Number three, Hugh Freeze. Now hear me out. Yes, Hugh Freeze has gotten into some, tr- got into some trouble at Ole Miss. Recruiting violations. I understand that. You know, and that came when he had that great year, right after he had that great year at Ole Miss. But Ole Miss was awful. I mean, Ole Miss was pretty bad. And anyway, he ends up, you know, going, you know, 10 and 3. You know, goes to the Sugar Bowl. Hey, not too bad. Um, now, granted, he did have, uh, I think, an eight eight win year. He's trying to think an eight win year, a nine win year, and then he had the ten win year of the Sugar Bowl. He had to vacate those wins. So, I do think Hugh Freeze can be can be really good at USC. I really do. He's doing great with Liberty right now. Um, you know, back-to-back wins in the Cure Bowl. I know that's not saying much, but still, Liberty football is a great power five. They're fairly new. I really think Hugh Freeze would be a great addition. Just hopefully he stays out of trouble. Number two, Luke Fickle. Now, I believe Luke Fickle will be the next head coach of Michigan, kind of like a Bo Schembechler type deal. You know, Ohio State guy, then goes to our tribal Michigan. I do believe Luke Fickle's going to do that. I also think Luke Fickle might be holding out for the Ohio State job if Ryan Day goes pro. But we're talking about, you know, we're again, we're not talking about what we think is going to happen. We're think, thinking about um, best hires for the job. I mean, I just think Luke Fickle right now has Cincinnati in a great spot. He has that NFL pedigree, um, played at a big school. I do think USC and Luke – I think USC, if they had a shot at Luke Fickle, they should 100% go after him. I do, and, I, and I think Luke Fickle can make it work. 
listen, Clay Helton was a, you know, had the interim tag removed, and that's how he got. And, and usually that doesn't work out, guys. Luke Fickle, I mean, he's built that program in Cincinnati. He's had it for a couple of years now. I do think Luke Fickle, USC, he can build a program, and he can do it at USC. I mean, USC sells itself, man. You just got to get people to go there. I think Luke Fick will be great. Now, before I get to my number one, I want to talk about a guy I don't think would fit, and I want to talk about two honorable mentions. So my two honorable mentions, um, one is Bill O'Brien. I think Bill O'Brien, listen, him at Penn State was one of those things he knew he could win there. Um, everyone was counting him out, and I think that was wrongly so. Yes, their best running back and best receiver left, but they had some guys there. I mean, Paterno had a good core group of guys who stuck around, and th- those guys fought together and knew it was an uphill battle. And I think O'Brien invited kind of uh, embraced that whole thing. Now, O'Brien did get a lot of skill guys there. The problem is he did not recruit any offensive linemen. I think that was just because of the scholarship reductions. He said, okay, we're going to get skill guys. We're going to take a backseat with offensive line guys because they had an offensive line when they were there. They had a decent one. I think they had three NFL guys on it. But I think um, Bill O'Brien could potentially be, you know, another guy, another guy that can do it. I, I, I honestly think he can be one. Um, here's another one. Uh, again, I don't think this is going to happen, but it's a possibility. Uh, how about Whittingham from a Utah? California guy. Utah would be a step up. The problem is, eh, is he doing well right now at Utah? I, I think this would be a hesitant hire. Again, if you want to get a home run hire, um, I do think that's a possibility. They go Kyle Whittingham. I think it's a step up from Utah, but I just don't know if that – I don't know fully if that's the guy I would really want to pull the trigger on. Okay? Do I think it's a perfect fit? No, but I think it's a decent fit because he's a California guy. He has California roots. Um, the guy that I don't think would work – is Matt Campbell from Iowa State. Uh, Everyone loves Matt Campbell. I love Matt Campbell. I think he's a great coach. But he had a really good team last year in Iowa State. Lost to University of Louisiana Lafayette, who, again, is decent. I understand that. Struggled with Northern Iowa. Got beat really bad by Iowa this week. Matt Campbell has never won more than 10 games. And I know he's at Iowa State. And I'm not saying Matt Campbell isn't a bad coach. But you just got rid of a guy who was decent but wasn't living up to the USC standard. I think Matt Campbell can build a program. But can he take USC to that next level? And I don't know if he can. Um. So I don't think Matt Campbell is a good fit. And I know that's – I'm sorry, I just don't. I just don't think Matt Campbell's a good fit there, and I just wanted to let that be known. Okay, number one, Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer and USC would be absolutely perfect. It would be a match made in heaven. Urban can go and try and get a Pac-12 championship and get another um, – get another uh, championship on his infinity gauntlet. But, oh, my God, it's perfect. He's not an NFL co- – and that's the other – he's not an NFL coach. The, the Jacksonville Jaguars hiring Urban Meyer is one of the worst coaching decisions of all time. And, honestly, I don't, I don't like to say things early because I don't like to eat my own words. I, I always try and use words like probably, maybe, this could happen, things like that. Jacksonville and Urban Meyer are never going to work. It's not going to work. And I tell you what, I, I I don't have his contract up in front of me, but if it's a complete disaster, which I think it might be a complete disaster, I know it's not going to be good. If he's gone at the end of the year, 
100% USC should just give him the rest. Like, give him money. Give him whatever he wants. And, yeah, it, afterwards it's going to be hell because you're probably going to have to pick up the pieces of some sort of scandal because everywhere Urban Meyer goes, scandals follow him. But that's the guy. That's, that is L.A. right there. Urban Meyer would thrive in L.A. Absolutely thrive in L.A. USC recruits itself. It's on the West Coast. It has good weather. It has pretty freaking women on the coast. It recruits itself. And then you got Urban Meyer, who, again, has been sketchy everywhere he's gone. But guess what? He's won football games. And he'll go to USC, and he'll immediately turn the program around. 100%. Is it going to be sketchy? Absolutely. Are you going to win games? You betcha you'll win games. But Urban Meyer is the best thing. I wouldn't be surprised if after the Jack, after Jacksonville season's over, Urban Meyer says, hey, I'm out. Hey, uh, listen, pay me this year. You don't have to pay me the rest. Because he knows. He knows. Urban Meyer knows if he leaves Jacksonville, he can go right to USC and they'd hire him on the spot. 100%. And it'd be a per- perfect fit. It'd be perfect. Anyway, that's my list, or that's the playoff. Uh, remember to follow us at Get Back Coach on Instagram and on Twitter at the GB Coach. Uh, I'm going to be sending out Twitter uh, polls for you guys. Uh, probably going to send out some Instagram polls, polls too. Make sure you guys uh, retweet it, share them. Vote on them. Uh, those will be coming out on Wednesday. So that's my list. That's the playoff. Uh, number four, best, most perfect hires for USC. Four, James Franklin. Three, Hugh Freeze. Two, Luke Fickle. Number one, Urban Meyer. Make sure you guys let us know in the threads below of Twitter and message me on Instagram. Tell me who we thought. Or her, you sorry, who you guys thought is a perfect hire for USC. With that being said, have a wonderful weekend. Week three is on the horizon. Enjoy your week, guys. <laughs>